Hello, Playdate. Welcome to episode three. My name is Don. My name is Nick. And my name is Ryan. I'm back. He's back. Our hopefully somewhat often third chair. Our our kind of temporary, but hopefully somewhat regular. Yeah, regular third chair. Yeah, that's a that's okay way to say it. Let's say regular for now. We'll we'll say something. I'm making no commitments, but maybe I'll see you again. Our uncommitted, but we're happy to have him back. Uh, Ryan Clater of elephantdeer.com. He was on our first episode, and he's back to talk about uh, some games this this week. Uh, something we wanted to talk about, Ryan, we we spoiled it. Well, we talked about it a little bit before you hopped on, but we want some listener feedback. So listeners, email us, uh, podcast at gmail.com. Do you like having the names of the season games in the episode title? Or we could put, um, you know, season one, week three, as the episode three, season one, week three. To me, that's not super descriptive. My personal feeling is I like having them in there, but Ryan, do you have a, a take? Yeah, I have heard that iTunes and maybe others do not like it when you put episode numbers in there, like season one, episode three. They prefer that you put something descriptive and leave out the episode numbers. So if that's of any consideration to you, uh, iTunes says do that. But I think mm. a description is nice. I personally like to have a numbering system. I like to know what number podcast episode I'm listening to and how many I've yet to listen to, but maybe that's just me. But Uh, more than that, is it spoiling the games? That's the concern. Is it spoiling the season games by putting them in the episode title? No, I don't understand why it would if we're getting it downloaded to our games before we listen anyway, or are you assuming that everybody's Okay. Yeah, on a different schedule. And I people so, still haven't received it. Okay. So I guess you could assume that if they're listening, that they are ready to hear about what you're going to talk about. <laughs> the other thing is they can also visit the Playdate website and see what's there, like what's to come. There's mentions of a few other games that are coming. I don't think not, there's specific not really, week though. mentions. They're, well, they like only that. add them. They only add them each week. The games mm-hmm. channel is only up through week five right now, huh. which is where I'm at. Well, I thought they had images of like some big brawny devil looking guy. It looks like knights and sword and sorcery, something or another coming up in the coming weeks. When and, did you uh, see that? Oh, this, this past week. That's this week. Oh, is it? Yeah. Interesting. It okay. doesn't maybe I mean, that's 24 it. games coming this season. <clears throat> they don't really uh, there's a couple of promotional images. Kranken, I guess is kind of like the the big picture that we saw coming into it. Mm-hmm. Me personally, I was going to ask you Nick, like how many games do you know of that are still to come? I know zero still to come. So, I'm really uh kind of clued into to the spoiler talk because uh mm-hmm. I'm I really enjoy being surprised. So I'm I'm not checking the Playdate site. I'm not really diving into the Playdate Discord even, um, and I'm I'm just keeping myself uh, fresh and and free. <laughs> you know, there's going to be such a limited life that this podcast is going to be a spoiler. Like before too long, everybody's right. going to have these games on their Playdates, and 
they can look up and sift through things a little easier. The the initial thought, and and it does, yeah, it does help with discoverability. If somebody's looking for talk about Crankin's time travel adventure, then, you know, they can search that and and this would come up. Um, So there's there's an argument for and against it, and uh, I'm not really sure one way or the other. Uh, You know, one of the pieces of feedback that, we had received previously was you know talking about this in particular but uh we are curious what uh what listeners have have to say about it so if you don't mind shoot us an email and let us know your thoughts and um we'll we'll take that into consideration at the very least definitely so, so where can they hit you up again is it hello playdate <laughs> at gmail or hello playdate pod- podcast or am I not getting it at all? <laughs> uh, it's at the bottom of the show notes, right? Hello, playdate podcast at gmail.com. There we go. Or uh, hello, PD what about podcast the, on Twitter. What about the playdate line? Do we have that yet? The playdate line? Uh, the not bingo yet. line. Yeah. yeah, the bingo line is in the show notes. All of our contact information is in the show notes. You can also join okay. us on Discord. Let us know uh, in person and live on in real time. Mm-hmm. Um. So thanks in advance for any feedback we get from that and yeah. uh don with that i was curious uh would you like to discuss some news yeah of course yeah let's get it out of the way right away oh uh, before we do that uh, one piece of feedback that we that ties into what we were just talking about is we are going to push the season game of the week discussion to the end of the show so yes. if you want to hear us talk about other stuff but you don't want to hear kind of that spoiler talk about the games of the week you can listen to our indie talk and our news at the top of the show and then the season game speak uh speech talk etc will be at the end of the show uh hopefully from now on so we're going to try that out so Mm -hmm. yes nick what news you have well don uh actually you you sent this uh but the dev of indie game ribbit rabbit posted a interesting article about their first month of playdate sales and uh they Broke down exactly, you know, what was involved with uh, creating uh, the game and, and putting it up on the storefront itch.io, mm-hmm. as well as the uh, number of sales. And it was it was pretty revealing. So they've sold a hundred dollars at one dollar a piece. So that's a hundred different users have purchased the game, um, which is uh, pretty good, I think, for such a uh, small format system. And the uh, the fact that somebody has to go out of their way to purchase and install this. Um, it's, uh, it's pretty, pretty interesting, but it, it is revealing in a way, you know, this is not, uh, a major console at, at the moment anyway. And so the numbers are going to reflect that. Um, so any potential developers, uh, should probably temper their expectations as far as, uh, revenues are concerned. Yeah, I was, I was, I'm always interested in hearing these sort of stories, um, especially you, you see these more in the mobile space, mm-hmm. which I'm more in tune with. But uh, it's cool that he had exactly 100 sales in 30 days, yeah. so he had like a nice round number. Um, I guess the he, he wanted to specifically roll it forward. Like he was only mm-hmm. spending money that he made on games to, to buy games. And Ribbit Rabbit is a game, he published this seven days ago. It's a game I purchased in the last seven days. So, mm-hmm. and I, I guess I'm kind of a big uh, Playdate fan, obviously doing this. 
So there are, it's still got legs. There are still going to be more people picking up the, the system. People right. like Ryan that haven't um, jumped into side loading. Um, <laughs> we, we keep asking still... him about it. Why are you still... throw me under the bus, Don? <laughs> well, there's still a potential audience there is what I'm getting at. I mean, right. th- this might be something that you're inter- interested in down the road. And the Playdate store has still not launched. So hmm. uh, Ribbit Rabbit is a contender for being on the Playdate store someday when there is a store on the Playdate device. Is there talk about an official store on yes. device? Yes, oh. there is. Yeah. Huh. So games like Bloom that you currently have to manually update um, mm-hmm. when they're sold through the Playdate store, they will update automatically just like the season games do. Neat. There isn't. Really uh, cool. Nice. People were talking about if it's going to transfer over from itch. There are ways to do that, uh, I think, with Steam or something. So that's still kind of up in the air if your itch purchases will transfer or not, but uh, that's all kind of down the road. Um, He also mentions that it was that this game was mentioned in a Destructoid article and Mm -hmm. Destructoid is one of the few blogs that I read regularly. And so this was put in front of my eyes there. Uh, And then him talking about this uh, sales article, put it in front of my face again. And then the destination play date YouTube channel reviewed it. So three times this week, I was like, oh, I guess I should check out this Ribbit Rabbit game. When there, there was just so many games. It was overwhelming. There's like 50 mm-hmm. games the first day I got my play date. And I was like, oh, I'm not going to play 50 games today. Um, mm-hmm. So that's why it took me a couple of weeks to get to it. So anyway, we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes to the uh, dev forum article or whatever. Talk about it. But uh, pretty cool. Thank you so much to his name is Kieran. I, let's see what his... Uh, There'll be a link in the show notes to Ribbit Rabbit as well. But his, Reverend Malaric, I guess, is his dev name. Dev name, right. Yeah. So I'm looking at these screenshots for Ribbit Rabbit. Tell me about this game a little bit, Don. It looks well, sort of puzzly. Or is this a Nick pick? <laughs> I'm glad you asked. Because, what a yeah, segue. That's, that's my indie pick of the week. Um, so Ribbit Rabbit is by Reverend, Reverend Malaric, as uh, Don mentioned. And uh, in it, you are a rabbit who moves like a frog (laughs) and is trying to catch a flying carrot. It's a carrot fly. Um, So real quick, how does the rabbit hop different from the frog hop? Very happy you asked. So (laughs) It's almost like we planned this out. (laughs) Yeah. The differentiating factor is that one hop will be like a frog in that you move one space. And then the next hop that you make moves you two spaces so the game is a puzzle game uh involving movement and obstacles within uh, a given course so there's four different worlds each containing 10 courses and each of those courses you know starts to ramp up in intensity uh within a given world um and essentially that movement pattern is really the main focus of the game so you hop once and move one space, you hop a second time, you move two spaces. And then you've got to kind of figure out uh, the looping figure eight style movement uh, that you need to make to get through each course. And then as you move from world to world, more complex uh, movements and uh, actions with the play data required, uh, there are some cranking sections uh, involving platforms and there are also some accelerometer sections where you have to uh, balance the play date so it's uh it's more there's more to it than it might seem at first um 
there have also been a couple of updates to the game. Uh, the developer didn't have their playdate yet. Um, I believe still doesn't, uh, according to their itch page. Um, so they've made tweaks based on people's feedback. There were a couple of crash bugs and, uh, some of the sections were just too hard with the physical play date. So, um, it's pretty cool. Uh, he's been very responsive and has, uh, made those changes and, uh, uploaded them. So I believe it's on version, um, 103 at the moment. Um, so, I think it's worth a look. It's a really cool and unique puzzle game. And uh, I, I like a lot of these uh, games that involve odd movements. And that's really, you know, the trick to getting through a stage. Um, it's so. really interesting about the accelerometer. I didn't remember that the Playdate had an accelerometer. I don't think any of the released <laughs> games thus far used it, right? Or am I mistaken? You're- well, as far as I know, uh, up through this week that we're on currently, that's mm-hmm. correct. Um, there are a few different uh, indies that I've played that do use it and to, to different degrees. So, um, I didn't even know it had one until I started playing a game called You Cannot Go Back. And it mm-hmm. says best played in portrait mode when you start the game. And it has like a little arrow, a circular arrow. So I thought it meant to crank it. And so I was trying to crank it to turn the screen and I was like, this, I don't get it. So I just kept playing it. And then I finally re- decided to turn it to its side and the screen changed right away. And I was like, what the hell? I had no idea <laughs> it wow. even had one. Interesting. Yeah. It's pretty cool. But I they've haven't played a- any games where it's part of the gameplay. Mm-hmm. They've got to release something from season one that features that I would think. I mean, you'd think Playdate would want to, mm-hmm. or Panic would want to showcase everything that the Playdate has built into it. There are definitely games that would work better if they used that instead of the crank. <laughs> that chain gun game, for example, would definitely work better. <laughs> I I think that would work better if, um, yeah, they changed the D-pad out for yeah accelerometer. Uh, I even yeah, think I one of our... I even think one of the games we're talking about this week might work better with the accelerometer than the crank, yes. but we'll get to that. I won't. I'll yeah. try to go along with your no spoilers for this episode. We'll get there in a minute. Um, so that's Ribbit Rabbit. Don, uh, you've played this as well. What What do you think? Yeah, I, I only played a little bit of Slimy Swamp. It reminded me of uh, a lot of the Game Boy games that I got out of the KB bin as a kid. <laughs> the puzzle games seem to end up there. Uh, so like uh, dexterity and what was that tomato game? Was it Quark or something? Like Quark, that? yeah. Quark. Oh man, I love Quark. Um, Q Q million or Q billion or whatever. Like a lot of those games kind of were in the same ballpark. Um, I thought it was pretty cool at first. I thought like, oh, this is too easy, and then I was like, oh wait, I just jumped into the lake or whatever. Like <laughs> this is trickier than I thought it was going to be. So yeah, it's a pretty cool game. So I definitely recommend it. There's also a demo. I don't see demos for a lot of them. Oh, it's yeah. either hmm. you pay or you pay what you want. And uh, I, I was going to say when we were talking about um, in his case, he made a hundred dollars because he charges straight up a dollar or more. Um, I saw one game where you could pay what you wanted and the conversion rate was like 6% of people paid for it. Oh, I think it was yacht. One of the Yahtzee games, hmm. 6% of people actually paid for the game between hmm. one and $6. I was going to so. say, I wonder out of those people who paid how many, pay more than a dollar yeah uh, you know i wonder if 100 sales at a buck are more than 
six sales at, you know, are they paying five bucks or 10 bucks? Or I guess it would have to be more than $10 if they're going to make more than charging a dollar for the game at that rate. I think the highest was $6 and the default price was $2. And they said almost hmm. everybody paid $2. Hmm. The default or the median price was like two thirty seven or something, hmm. which is interesting that more people are paying more. I told Nick I accidentally almost paid two thousand dollars for something the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I forget what it was, but oh, chain gun, I think. I added a zero on accident. Or forgot about zeros. those decimal points, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, Ribbit Rabbit. I, I would also recommend. Definitely worth a dollar. I love how kind of cheap the games are i expected everything to be in the bloom sort of i did too realm um, of ten dollar games i'm i i'm also liking uh ribbit rabbit was a pulp game mm. um and I, I don't remember this might be the first pulp indie uh that we've discussed but uh pulp is the web-based development studio that panic made um you just go onto a website and you can make a game hmm. um and it's pretty clever and obviously it works pretty well. <laughs> um, there are a couple of uh, issues with the release version of Pulp in that uh, it doesn't uh, do version numbering properly at the moment. So um, certain games like Ribbit Rabbit, uh, where there have been changes, you have to make sure that you delete it from your playdate. Uh, before uploading the the new version and delete it from the the panic sideload page before uploading it or else it will not update i believe um but uh yeah other than that um it's it's very impressive that this game was made in that web-based tool Hmm. so um don what indie would you recommend this week i'm i'm excited to be able to recommend island E-Y-E land, so island. It was, uh, I I uploaded it from the dev, whatever, dev forums or whatever last week. Mm-hmm. I was really enjoying it, but it got a, an actual release on Itch yesterday, I think. Uh, the developer, his name is Ron Lent. He's, a, I think, a graphic artist or just an artist. So I checked out his uh, stuff on Instagram, and he's got a lot of really great artwork. But this was also made with pulp. Mm, and, really? Yeah. And he says it's a small wander around and figure it out game. <laughs> and my favorite kind. <laughs> yeah. So I played the other day um, before I talked about it. And that's basically what it is. You're a little dude. You're, you wake up, you, you're on a tiny island and you have to figure out how to get off the island. So you get off of it and then you're on a bigger island and then you just walk around and figure out what you're doing. So I played for about 20 minutes the other day, was really enjoying it. Um, put it down. There are no save states. So heads up. Yeah. I I ended up playing through the whole thing today. Just, I finished it just before we started recording. I'm glad I did. It (laughs) took about an hour, I guess, to to finish. So it's still not that long and you can hit the uh, lock button and, you know, put it down. Mm -hmm. But if you start up another game, you got to start over. Uh, Okay. So I did it after replay that first 20 minutes, but I knew all the puzzles and I knew exactly what I had to do. So, um, so you're you're solving just different puzzles around an island. It's pretty mm-hmm. neat. You do just kind of like, hey, I need a, I'm sleepy. Go find me coffee, just like a casual burger. So mm-hmm. you got to figure out how to get the coffee. Then like, hey, there's something on top of this hotel. Figure out how to get to the top of a hotel or figure out how to open this door. That kind of thing. And you wander around this little island and 
figure it out. The puzzles are pretty inventive, but they're not they're not too challenging. They're small, single screen puzzles. Uh, like I said, it only took an hour, and I'm not that smart, so the puzzles aren't like that hard. But it's charming, and there is a little story. Nothing super heady, but it's just really like a nice, warm, cozy little adventure. Cool. Well, I've I've picked this up on your recommendation, Don, and I can't yeah. wait to play it. It does look really fun, and I'm popping over to the itch page, and it looks like the developer Ron Lent is really responsive. Looks like he's responded to every single person who's commented on the page. Uh, cool. Game looks really fun too. I dig that. There's like an exterior lighthouse image, and then you mm-hmm. can see the character sort of pops inside the lighthouse, and uh, there's like some larger ghost of the mountain images it looks like a really fun game he he does some really cool things with uh the dark and light elements hmm. your character bouncing from dark to light i might have to figure out how to sideload games <laughs> i i highly recommend it i would right now i would put this as my my favorite uh play date game wow really wow. Went, yeah yeah it sounds like it's maybe in terms of time to complete like uh Super Mario Land for the Game Boy. Like, I feel like that takes about an hour to complete if you're running through it. Um, is that kind of the level of commitment we're thinking about here? Or is it just very different because it's more puzzle and less platformy? Yeah, this is more like a chill adventure. Not hmm. like uh, Undertale without the hard uh, bullet hell elements. Hmm. More like that kind of thing. Undertale, that sounds like a game that was made after the year 2000. So I'm just going to smile and nod. <laughs> you got to try Undertale, man. Ah, <laughs> oh, Ryan. You're lucky I bought the play date. If it wasn't yeah. for Nick. <laughs> this is not a side-scrolling platform. This, <laughs> this has side-scrolling elements and top-down elements, but it, it was, I would not call it a platformer. Some of the puzzles are platform-y, like a... Um, what was it? Mario. Well, Don Kong 94, I guess. Mm, yeah. <laughs> Next favorite game. Uh, but it feels familiar, but it still feels fun. Yeah. Now Donkey Kong cool. 94 might be my favorite game. I just still haven't tried it yet. <laughs> right. Is, <laughs> is that the game Nick. boy one? Yeah. yeah. Oh, that is a wonderful game. That's Nick, what everybody tells me. Yes. You've not tried that. I need to send you I my cartridge. <laughs> I believe I have a cartridge already. Oh my god! <laughs> He'll get Nick, it. I replaced the battery and everything. Put down the play date for a couple of days. You got to try that. Can't out. be done. I'm still growing <laughs> flowers in bloom. Someone will clone Donkey Kong '94 and call it like Play Kong '94, Donkey Play '94, or something. Any day now. Uh, are you still playing Bloom, Nick? Oh yes. Oh my gosh! All right. Um, I believe I'm closing in on the end. Uh, the fifty billion dollars or something. Get your ten dollars worth out of that game. Oh yes. Um, I've been checking in with it every day and uh, growing more and more complex flowers. And uh, <laughs> it is, it's really awesome. It's it's so great. I've already finished the main story. This is all like optional stuff that I'm doing now, hmm. and um, still enjoying it a lot. So every morning when I wake up, I just I turn the crank, check out my little <laughs> flower garden on the roof. <laughs> I come back down. I I go to my gotcha pond machine, get my little oh. capsule toy, and uh, you I don't have I thirty did... capsules yet, do you? Here here's a here's a mm. listener question. Here's a listener question. Are you the um, listener? <laughs> because I know that neither of you have have gotten this far. But um, 
there's an Asteroids clone that's built into the game, which you can access at any time from your Mm -hmm. cell phone. And uh, I've gotten a high score of over a thousand points, and I felt so accomplished in in that. And uh, it turns out that's not the high score you need to achieve. So I have no idea what it is, but I feel very disheartened. Oh, no. (laughs) If if, uh, someone has made it there and can tell me, I would love to know, um, because then I'll be able to feel fully accomplished in this game. But otherwise, um, a perfect, wonderful game. And that is my favorite Playdate game so far. Hmm. Submit your uh, your Asteroids high score to the uh, high score channel on our Discord. Oh, yeah. That'd be a good one. Cool. Well, should we talk about, should we quit with these indies since we know Ryan doesn't have any and talk about the uh, <laughs> season games of the week? Yeah, I think I think it's time. It is uh, time. So here's the spoiler break here. Do, 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 do. Okay. We're back. <laughs> welcome everyone welcome so let's let's start out big can we can i give a glowing recommendation for our first game Woo! Yeah. my my favorite game of the season so far is pick pack pup wow Whoa. hot take nice i'm gonna go ahead and slot it in number one on my overall ranking pick pack pup yeah. i'm gonna mess up uh Nick messed with our show notes, so we have these nice little <laughs> charts here, and I just screwed it all up. Anyway, Pick Pack Pup is a basically a match three where you work as a dog in a Amazon where- fulfillment center, and you're trying to escape <laughs> uh, through backbreaking labor. And so you match different items together. When you match three or more items together, um, they are automatically packaged, and you tap the package, and all the matching packages you have on the screen get shipped off to customers. Um, at, at a certain point, the bottom layer of the screen will get thrown in the trash. And actually, throughout the game's 30 stages, it adds twists and turns pretty much every stage, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was yeah. going to say, it's not every level that disappears the bottom line of packages. Mm-hmm. That that mechanic comes in after a while. But you're right, that it does continue adding complexity each level, which is something that I thought was really interesting i almost wrote this game off when i first started playing it thinking it was just going to be another match em up game but every level had different twists and turns like you were talking about that just kept it very interesting to me i i completed the game in a day and that's not because it's easy it's because it was addictive it was really fun yeah yeah Yeah. um and in between sets of stages there are these little comic interludes which i found very interesting um and Ryan, as a comics artist, I was very curious what your thoughts were about that. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to bring up, too, is that it has this lovely element of storytelling, but like just the right amount of storytelling for me, <laughs> I thought. Like it has these comics that you can crank through. I, I like this sort of scrolling crank element to the comics that they had. Uh, it was appropriately sized so that there wasn't more than like a couple panels per tier. Like that's about all you can see is a tier at a time as you scroll through. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so they weren't trying to jam too many panels on the page where you needed to like bring it up to your face to read it. <laughs> like, I feel like I have on a few pieces of text on some former weeks playdate games. Uh, this was really easy for me to read and uh, enjoyable. Like the illustrations are really fun and uh yeah, so I've really enjoyed the comic element. That's something I was going to bring up. And in addition to the chapter break comics, which I think there are, what, 10 of them or so over the course of 30 levels, mm-hmm. um, 
they also have every level like memos that show up and yeah. it's like <laughs> very minor story like it's enough story to understand what's going on but then like masked as here's the new twist and what you need to do in the game uh it was only you know a, a memo page or two long and then you're right into the gameplay i thought it was really nicely paced and uh kept me wanting to understand the next level understand the next rung of the story like all one and the same so uh i also really love this game however um one of my great gaming weaknesses is puyo puyo and Uh, there's there's a stage far into it which uh requires some dexterous combo action which uh i am mm. particularly bad at um (laughs) And it's uh it's very Puyo Puyo esque, and so the whole time I was I was kind of cursing that stage. Why? <laughs> Why are these Puyos here? But um, it's it's not exactly Puyo Puyo, but uh, it's similar in concept. So that's the only uh, downside to the game that I found. Uh, I really also love the aesthetic. I love the storytelling. I like storytelling in any kind of game, even if it's a puzzle game. <laughs> um, so I was right on board with it from the get-go. Um, the only other uh, thing which, this isn't exactly a critique, but just something I probably would have done differently is at the end of each comic, you have to dock the crank, which is certainly, you know, an mm-hmm. action that you can take to to finalize something. But uh, I, I felt like a button press would have been uh, just have as to, effective. Nick. What? Really? I thought you had to too, and I was like, "What? Well, this is so dumb." It tells you to dock the crank, but you don't. Yeah. You can just hit A. Okay, well, that's on me for following directions. I guess. <laughs> I mean, if you want that crank flopping around, come on, guys, clean up your crank. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, I rarely dock the crank, so it's um. It it was kind of jarring <laughs> to to have to do that after each stage, but now that I know you don't have to do it, actually, that uh, adds to my excitement to replay it at some point here. Um, and check out all the millions of different modes that the game has, which uh, we haven't even discussed. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Before we get into modes, I wanted to talk about a couple fun spoilers. So a spoiler alert for anyone listening who doesn't want some latter stages spoiled. Uh, I don't know, fast forward a couple minutes. But uh, there's one stage where it makes this like meta reference to the play date saying that you're shipping games and then one of the icons is the play date itself i thought that was a really fun self-referential stage that they built in there mm-hmm. and then there was another one too where um you know these like top loading puzzle games are very tetris-esque and then another stage the <laughs> things you're matching were those tetronomos and yeah. uh I, I just i really enjoyed these like self-referential gaming referential uh stages that would show up every once in a while i thought that was really clever Mm -hmm. i'm gonna allow it i won't i won't edit out that spoiler alert there (laughs) you didn't spoil the end of the game (laughs) kept it within two minutes too there you Um, go uh yeah so i did want to also mention that i love the memos the memos this they were humorous and mm -hmm. there's always they're always fun to read they gave Mm -hmm. you hey we're gonna we're doing an insurance scam so we need you to trash as many packages as possible (laughs) So it always sounded like it was ribbing uh, 
big corporate culture and I appreciate that. So and the different modes at the same time. <laughs> yes. The different modes. Check this out. Uh, tutorial, story, infinity mode, chill mode, danger zone, time attack, read comics, stats and high scores, and setting settings. This is like the most full featured uh, playdate game I've seen too. Like this feels like a real playdate game at all times. When you hit pause, it doesn't just bring up the little playdate menu, but it also pauses the screen. It doesn't just stop the the play on the gameplay, but it brings up like a, a real pause screen where it shows you your objectives for that stage, hmm. which I haven't seen hmm. many other games do. Usually it's just a, a, a layover or a cover. Like here's mm-hmm. the play date pause menu, but this one brings up a separate menu. Like, Hey, these are your objectives. And I haven't seen that in other games. Not that I've noticed anyway. And I really appreciated that. Cause sometimes I would just forget what am I trying to do here? If it was something that was challenging or going on for a long time, and mm-hmm. I felt like, what am I, what's my goal here? I've been playing forever. <laughs> um, so I really appreciated that. So Don, what do the different modes do? Because I have not experimented with any of them outside of the story. So I've only played Danger Zone, uh, which I think had bombs. Mm-hmm. And you can't let the bombs touch the bottom of the screen. Okay. If I remember right. Time attack is, I think, two minutes. You have to make as many matches as possible. Chill mode. I don't know. I think that you're I'd just going indefinitely mode. on that one, trying that's for infinity high score. Mode. If I oh, is that right? Yeah. Where um, you're chasing a high score. Um hmm. Yeah, I don't I don't have a score for chill mode when I'm looking at my high score chart, so I haven't tried that one. There's so many modes I haven't even tried them all. Maybe chill <laughs> is unscored. You just keep going. Chill out, man. I mean, I could try it, but let's chill and match as many items as possible. That's all he says. Yeah. I Oh, yeah, and then just you can ship as many items as possible. Oh, it just keeps an average of how many boxes you ship at once. This might be a good okay. one to show mom when you bring the play date over or something. I mean, everybody understands a match three, so. Oh, and then he makes little comments. You always have Pup sitting there making little comments or kind of he wags <laughs> his tail when you're doing well or he starts sweating when, when uh, stuff's about to get trashed. It's such a legible game, and that's something Ryan yeah. brought up. Like everything is so legible, easy to understand. It almost feels like when uh, on modern games, when the controller vibrates when something bad's going to happen, like him sweating is such a, even out of the corner of your eye. Like, oh crap, I know something's going to happen. I gotta like, I gotta ship my packages right now, or they're going to get trashed. <laughs> um, the tells are really, really good. So I don't want to go on too long, but uh, pick back yeah. up just top um, to bottom. One last thing that yeah. we, we tend to neglect is actually talking about music in the games. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I normally only play with the music for a brief period of time. I, I play rather late in the evening and usually don't have headphones on. But um, what what did you all think of the music? I played Nick mode when I was playing. Okay. I played silent, <laughs> so I can't comment on this. I find myself playing mostly with sound on with the play date mm-hmm. i'm i'm usually a nick mode too i very rarely play anything with sound on but with the play date just that little speaker and the wide variety of volume settings mm-hmm. it's just easy to click on and off um i do like the music but i don't like it after a while i found the main theme gets annoying after a while mm-hmm. the, the main music so i turned it down 
Um, I, that's something I did want to bring up. So while I like it initially, um, it's not something where like a Tetris theme you can listen to for 20 years and you don't get sick of it after, <laughs> after a week, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm good with this guy. Okay. And does each mode retain the same theme? If I rem- if I remember right, like I kept noticing like, okay, I don't like this song. Like it, it, I think it was the same song each, each time. Maybe that's something okay. they could update. Yeah. But, uh, we didn't, we didn't mention who made the game either. So oh, yeah. I, I'm going to butcher his last name, Nick Magnier, Magnier. <laughs> I'm sure it's not Magnier, but it's spelled Magnier and, uh, Arthur Hamer and the music by Logan Gabriel. So I don't know what other games they've made. I was looking at their, uh, um, Wikipedia's and whatnot, or not Wikipedia's, Twitter's, <laughs> and uh, Arthur Hamer did the art, so you can see a lot of the art uh, replicated on his website. And he actually spoils what what Ryan just mentioned right there at the top of his uh, Twitter page, <laughs> so I don't feel too bad. Uh, and then game design by by Nick. So, and he works for he's a senior game designer at, UB, at uh, Ubisoft. Nick is. Mm. Oh, so maybe he's made some of my favorite games of all time. No wonder this is so good. Quite possible. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of Nick, Baldridge, yeah. where did you slot this in your Playdate roster? Well, we, we, that, there's a time and a place, Ryan, and that's after we talk about our next game. Uh-oh. Oh, is that right? I, yeah. I, I thought, I thought Don we, already did that. We oh. do our global rankings. I jumped at the, the gun. End. Oh, yeah. okay. I was so excited. <laughs> uh, we do have an exciting addition, though, listeners, in that uh, Ryan has also uh, created his global rankings. So we'll go over all those here at the end. But uh, before we do, let's talk about the next game uh, from season one, week three. Is that right? Uh, yeah, week, that's right. This is week, week three? three? <laughs> yeah. Because we've got six games so far. These are oh, games that's right. five and yeah. six. I guess I could look at the numbers. <laughs> uh, Here for anyway, you. Anyway, se- season one, week three, Lost Your Marbles by Sweet Baby Inc. And I've, I've got a synopsis. Do you want me to yeah, read that ahead. off? Okay, this is a quick synopsis. Lost Your Marbles is a charming visual novel where the role of a marble makes all the difference. Join Prota in this branching narrative adventure as she makes her way through Pomegranate Village on a quest to find her lost dog, Minty, and make it to the annual festival before the day's end. Mm-hmm. Accurate? Accurate, yes. Um, so I'm a big visual novel fan, and so this game might be more in my wheelhouse than the others here, but uh, I did want to say that the mechanics are pretty interesting. Um, aside from the visual novel aspect, um, there are sequences where you have to use the crank to manipulate uh, a level a la Super Monkey Ball or um, the uh, labyrinth toys that they make where you rotate multiple dials to, to change the physical aspect of the game that the ball is rolling upon. Uh, and you have to break light bulbs, which are uh, littered throughout the stage. And so uh, there are usually, I think always, uh, three different light bulbs that you can break. Um, and there's one which is good and two which are not good. And so you're you're trying to get the good one and figuring out the puzzle. <laughs> I didn't realize to, that. Yeah, figuring out the way. See, this... Uh, 
this is why it's good that we talk. Um, figuring out the puzzle that's involved with uh, getting to the good light bulb is really the gameplay hook. So it's um, kind of like a choose your own adventure yes. visual novel, but then mm-hmm. the gameplay allows you to choose which direction you go. Correct. And so um, everything involves balls, pretty much. The festival is is the big festival of balls that happens apparently each year in this town. Um, it's pretty quirky and fun. The art style is relatively easy to distinguish different objects. I would I would say that I, I do have a little uh, thing to, to pick against there where I'm not really... There are some elements which are a little harder to see, especially in a low light um, situation. But um, the actual mechanics of rolling the ball and uh, seeing the space that it rolls around in are very easy to see. Um, and when you're rolling the ball and manipulating this world, it's pretty easy to just go hog wild with a crank and start like flipping it uh, 180 degrees up and, and get really frustrated. But actually, the range of movement is somewhere in the like 30% mode. And so as I was playing, I had the crank down. And then we'd just move it back and forth and try to figure out, you know, how to navigate the different stages. Of course, I made mistakes several times and, you know, got, um, for example, a, a magic eight ball one time instead of the, the good item, which was something else. Um, and the way that the visual novel elements are structured, uh, everybody just carries on with whatever you pick, <laughs> even if it makes almost no sense. Um, and some of those responses were pretty funny and and fun so um i did enjoy uh this game it was uh not uh it's it's not a fantastic visual novel uh, and there's a lot of agency in this game uh more than most visual novels so um if you're coming into this as a, as a visual novel reader um, there's a little more action than you might be used to um and if you're coming into this as a monkey ball slash labyrinth enthusiast um it may also disappoint because of of the mechanics are are very um precise so um that's that's my thoughts uh what do you all think i'm shocked when you say that there was a good like one good thing to pick and two bad things i found (laughs) all three were always like nonsensical (laughs) really that's what I, I don't know. It's like, what's the tallest thing? It's like string cheese. And I forget the other two. It's like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. String cheese. I always found myself just picking whatever because I would always try to unlock all three so I could see what the three were. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm really trying hard to remember any of them where one of them was better than the other two. Yeah. I feel like there was sort of an obvious winner of the choices to choose from. Like Mm -hmm. once you make visible each choice, uh, I feel like the most difficult choice was usually the one you want to pick. Um, I don't know if you felt that way too, Nick. Yeah, definitely. uh, Yeah. It, it challenges you to choose the right one. It's not just the first gimme light bulb that you find in the, in the puzzle. Mm -hmm. Was it always like the sun or always the star, always the moon? Do you know? I don't, I, I couldn't t- discern a pattern and I okay. um, was, was kind of running through the game. So I didn't, uh, didn't make special note of that. Um, Ryan, did you happen to notice if there was a pattern to, 
I didn't even know there was a star and a sun and a moon. <laughs> I thought it was just <laughs> light bulbs. Were there icons inside the light bulbs? Yeah. Or what are you what are yeah, you talking once, about there? Once you smack them, they they have different uh, different Things icons. Inside. Oh, I just noticed the words that pop up next to it when you bonk it for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I like. I don't know. Like when you start out, I felt like some of the stages there were more exciting. Like there's one where you're, it seems like you're going through a cabinet or something. There's like some brooms and some books or boxes shoved over. So mm-hmm. there's a little more like you're going through a maze and whatnot. And then at the end, there's one with like moving platforms that I thought was pretty fun to try and mm-hmm. uh, thwack the thing, thwack the light bulb. But in the middle, it was just like, whatever, just try and get through the stage. And Well, did you uh, enjoy the pinball one? I don't, I don't even, didn't even pick up on a pinball one. Well, there's a pinball one. <laughs> that's that's pretty rough i don't know um like i felt like now that seeing like this is a charming visual novel maybe if i'd gone in knowing like the visual novel part was the meat of it maybe i would have had a different outlook going experience in. yeah yeah i felt like the that was so wacky like the the visual novel part, the dialogue and whatnot was so wacky. Like you're talking to an alligator and a cactus and whatnot about a wrestler. And <laughs> it like yeah. it made no sense. So I was like, whatever, I don't know what this is about. Let me just find my dog. I, I didn't find it that engaging. Like I was reading it, but I, it just seemed like bizarre. And I, I initially, when I made like the wanted poster for my dog, I loved that. I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like that's why I was asking you guys like what's on your poster. Take a picture of your poster because I knew that my choices mattered. But then every other choice I made through the whole game, I felt like I'm just picking random adjectives or random verbs. Like I did, uh, I didn't understand what I was putting together. I didn't feel like I was making decisions and there wasn't enough gameplay. Like I feel like the gameplay was kind of fun rolling the balls up and down. But like I said, those, the first levels and the last levels were more fun. And I feel like if there's the whole game of just those, that would have been more fun and maybe time trials or the score associated with that. So it was like half good visual novel half good action game but then like the two coming together didn't really work for me mm-hmm. and i love the animation and the art but then i didn't care about the story and it was like too weird so i i know this game isn't for me and i know there are people who are going to love this game and i saw people on the discord that said they hated the first playthrough but then when i finished the game it's like oh you found one of 10 endings and it shows like a big chart of all the things you like check marks the you made this path but you missed all these other paths and mm-hmm. they said they hated the first playthrough but then they grew to love the game as they tried to get all the endings like oh well maybe now that i know what the game is maybe i will enjoy it on repeat playthroughs and it's short enough that it's not a huge commitment to play through it again uh, it, i think it put me at an hour and six minutes or something like that for mm-hmm. my first playthrough so anyway i just t- talked a lot i'll let you guys get back to it Ryan, what were your thoughts? Yeah, I I feel like on concept, this is a good game. Like a visual novel, sort of multiple choice endings, choose your own adventure type of thing. Like all of that sounds to me like I would enjoy it. But for me, I'm kind of in the Dawn camp on this one. I don't think this game is for me. And I, I think it's because of a couple things where this game fell apart for me. One, I was going in expecting a game. And I think Don hit the nail on the head when he said, if they had marketed this as a visual novel, like if that was part of the title, like then my expectations would have been set. But I was going in thinking 
this is a game because that's all I've got on the play date so far are games. They're not books or, you know, I'm not sitting down to, to read when I pick up my play date, at least what I thought. And so for me, it was really heavily weighted on the visual novel portion. And I just kept like pressing a through the whole thing, trying to get to a game, which took a while for, I I felt like it took a while to get to the gameplay. Um, The second part where I felt like the game really fell apart for me is there's this gameplay aspect that's based on physics. And, you know, as a pinball person, I enjoy physicality of games and accurate physics. And uh, I felt like this ball rolling around really did not adhere to natural laws of physics. And that frustrated me too. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those couple reasons, I, I had a really hard time with this game. Um, so again, I think if it were marketed a little differently, like, Hey, this is a visual novel and there's some gameplay thrown in rather than me going in, expecting it to be a game, which, you know, was only like, I, I felt like, less than 50% of the game was a game. Um, It was more visual novel than game, in my opinion. And then secondly, if there were some more accurate physics, I found it really difficult to control the gameplay in those modes. Um, I understood that you had to limit the movement of the crank in order to get it. And Nick, I wanted to piggyback off of something you said that you were doing the crank in the down position I tried that initially, and personally, I found it easier to maneuver if the crank was in the up position, Hmm. but all that to Hmm. say, you can maneuver it in the up or down position, Hmm. Uh, but there's uh, a helpful hint along the game somewhere that says, you know, only move the crank in half the position. So when I was having trouble in the down position, I thought, well, maybe it works in up too. And it does. It does work in the up position, but... um, but yeah, those were the couple main points where the game fell apart for me. Again, just not my type of gameplay element, but if you like visual novels with some gameplay sprinkled in there, hey, this could be for you. Something that I did really enjoy about this game was the artwork. I thought it was really quite polished, actually. In fact, I'd go out on a limb and say it's it might be the most polished release to date in terms of artwork. It had this really like professionally illustrated manga anime type style to it. And uh, so, so that I appreciated. The way Prota acts at the end of the game where you can see like the, I guess actually her facial expressions uh, I really liked where she seems like uh, she's looking side to side and whatnot. I thought was really funny. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. Like this is probably my favorite artwork of any game this season. Yeah. Same. Well, um, I um, did enjoy the uh, the gameplay. I will also say there it might benefit uh, uh, another playthrough for you all because some of those middle stages, for example, um, there's like a sandwich shop that you go into, and the whole shop is themed within the stage. Um, so, like you're flying up a soda mm-hmm. straw, or you know, going underneath a sub wrapper, whatever. Um, so there, almost every stage is themed in in some way, um, and they all they all did you know f- adhere to the uh, 
tenets of the story. Um, this, the story I, I definitely agree, uh, took a lot of weird left turns. Part of that might be because of the answers that were being given though. And that's something I didn't realize there were so many endings. Um, so that might make me revisit it as well. <laughs> Maybe I, yeah, pick the worst examples in, in each <laughs> string chart. cheese is the answer for everything. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, um, well, you, you just brought up something interesting. So I've been thinking about a game that I wanted to make and mm-hmm. having to be a black and white one pixel or one bit game. I, I just keep thinking like this is really going to be hard to do or this is going to be limited. They might be in the same boat where uh, a sub shop or a soda straw might not read the same in black and white as it would in uh, in color, even on an NES or something. Mm-hmm. Like a soda straw would be very iconic, just red and white stripes or something, but it doesn't read the same way when you're just blasting a ball around trying to hit a light bulb. That's, that's a good point. Yeah. I, I kind of went in looking for it and I guess that's why I saw it. Um, not yeah. sure. Um, but Did you guys, I, I got oh. to that stage. I saw it too. I recognize the, the iconic elements of the cup and the straw and, and things like that. So I, I think it read all right. At least uh, I was able to understand it. Okay. Did you guys listen to the music on this one? Uh, I had it on in the beginning and and turned it off that I try to give everything a few minutes of music, but uh, I I usually don't go the entire time. Uh, It seemed to me that the game tended to uh, return to a single theme frequently. Is that Mm -hmm. correct? Um, I don't know if it was the same song, but it was always the same instruments and it was like mm-hmm. this weird mouth harp kind of sound. <laughs> it was, uh, rough. The sound effects were great, but the music itself, I was uh, in a bad place with, um, anyway, so interesting game. <laughs> I, and now I'm kind of encouraged to check it out more. And so I was thinking like on the, uh, one of my favorite podcasts is the Film Junk Podcast. They rate movies every week, obviously. And every year they allow two six out of fives. Like, mm-hmm. I love this movie so much, I'll give it a six out of five. Maybe if we had a mulligan, you know? Like, this movie, I put it at number 20. It ended up at number 20, but I went back, I revisited it. I think it should be at number four for the year, something like that. Maybe we, we kick around an idea like that. <laughs> hmm. yeah, Talking about be- this, I was like, maybe I will end up liking this, you know? That'd be interesting. And uh, that brings us to the last phase of our podcast, the last transformation of it, which is our overall ranking of the season. So um, this week we have a new addition in Ryan, uh, who has added his global rankings. Uh, but Don, let's start with you. Um, what are your current rankings of season one? Yeah, I've got Pickpack Pup at number one, Casual Birder, Boogie Loops, Whitewater Wipeout, Kranken's Time Adventure. And I've got Lost Your Marbles at number six. Fair enough. Um, for me, it's uh, Casual Birder is number one. Crankin's Time Travel Adventure, number two. Pickpack Pup, number three. Lost Your Marbles, number four. Whitewater Wipeout as five. And Boogie Loops as six. Uh, Ryan, how about you? Cool. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start mine at the bottom. Number six uh, goes to Lost Your Marbles. And above that, I've got Boogie Loops. And then number four is Pick Pack Pup. But that's only because there's three such strong games at the top. I, Pick Pack Pup, I really love. But 
it seems weird to say that's number four out of six. Uh, number three is casual birder for me. Uh, I like uh, Cranklin's adventure. <laughs> I refuse to call it anything else. <laughs> it needs to be called Cranklin. Um, and I put Whitewater Wipeout at the top because it is the game I keep going back to every single day. Just before we were recording right now, I hit a new single surf high record of over 200,000 on one one surfboard, not three surfboards. Um, so like oh. I, I am still encouraged to continue getting better at that game. It's just, it's such a perfect crank game. And I, I feel like one of the things that I didn't mention this, but as much as I love pick pack pup, I, I like it very, very much. It wasn't much of a crank game. The only time you use the crank in that game is when you're scrolling through the comic story, uh, what, 10 times throughout the 30 levels. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, I I like the fact that Whitewater Wipeout relies so heavily on the crank. Uh, I'm also discovering new and different ways in which you use the buttons in that game. Uh, Like, you know, those helpful hints, it tells you press up as you are about to leave the wave. And I think that allows you to catch even more air as you're going up. So you can make those quads a lot easier. I still Mm -hmm. have not hit a quintuple. I'm not sure if it's even possible, Um, but I keep feeling like, man, if I press that up and hit it just the right angle, maybe haven't done it yet. And the other thing it says is to press the left and right buttons on whitewater wipeout to, uh, I think, spin faster. Uh, And I can hear it when I'm pressing it. It gives you some audio feedback when you're pressing those left and right buttons. So I I feel like I'm doing something better when I'm pressing those buttons and cranking. But but yeah, Whitewater Wipeout just really has captured my attention. So that's my number one. Fair enough. Very good. Yeah. We'll see if that that budges throughout the year. Yeah, I'm using my mulligan on it. You know, uh, one thing that I like and want to remark upon is that all three of us have very different lists. Um, I, I think that's pretty cool. Uh, with only six games, I'm really curious to see how we end up the season together. Um, so, uh, well, I'm excited to see the next four games filter into these lists. Good stuff. Cool. All right. Well, on that, we will... Uh, go over our, I guess we should go over our uh, little stuff here. Uh, you can reach us, Hello Playdate at Hello Playdate Podcast at gmail.com. On Twitter, Hello PD Podcast. Instagram, Hello Playdate. Our website, Playdate Podcast at uh, playdatepodcast.com. I got to like learn the, uh, get the momentum down the here. Cadence. <laughs> yeah. Get the cadence down. Yeah. We're only and, three episodes in. That's I okay. Know. We'll get there. <laughs> the bingo tip line. Nick has a very successful bingo and em pinball no pinball and em bingo <laughs> oh podcast. i've missed that i've Damn missed it. that yes nick has a phone number you can leave us a voicemail <laughs> on his very generous bingo tip line oh, 724-246-4671 that's 724 bingos one if you want to leave us a voicemail all of that information will be in the show notes yeah we'll catch hey, you guys next week hey guys yeah. Just want to say thanks so much for having me back. This is always a blast to be on here with you. <laughs> well, Thank thanks you, very Ryan. much for joining us. Yeah. And thanks, everybody, for listening. Good night. Nighty night. Bye.